I'm Mallory. And I'm Caitlin. And this is Last House on the Left, just another true crime podcast. We are talking today about a case that I feel is not so well known, but I did kind of find it on Discovery Plus. That's the way I heard about it. So I have zero information. You've not provided me a name, a video, a link to an article, nothing. Absolutely nothing. So I'm along for the ride. Um, so we're going to get into the intro. What's up with you? Anything new this week with you that you'd like oh, to talk Jesus. about? <laughs> How are you doing? Um, so we're both being stalked now by this crazy man that's been stalking me for the past couple of weeks. Um, he's just like turned into some weird kind of cyber stalker now, though, which I actually prefer because I don't want to see him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mallory blocked him, but I got a notification that he was on my TikTok Oh, and then he created that weird Instagram account that I showed you where I'm the only person that the account follows. <laughs> that is so, so it's funny. It's not obvious at all <laughs> that it's a fake. And the name's like John Smith or something? It's something really... Burner Man. That's what it was. John John Burner. Something fucking Was the name. Weird. The name was definitely John. It was very yeah. generic name. Yeah. If you're going to create a secret Instagram account, at least follow a bunch of people and then follow the person you're trying to stalk. So it looks a little bit less suspicious, you know? Yeah. And also, PSA, if you don't know, TikTok does let you know when you view people's accounts. Because (laughs) I feel people don't know this information. By the looks of the people that look at my account, they don't know that it's sending me a notification they're on the account. If you want to stalk on TikTok, that's fine. It's a setting. You just turn the setting off, and then it won't notify people. I mean, you won't get notified in return, but, like, come on. Like, if you want to stalk... Like, if you want to stalk your brother's ex-wife's tiktok page (laughs) yeah whoever you want to stalk so that's what's up with mallory the new what's up with you nothing's up with me taylor swift did release that she's doing (laughs) oh my god this is not a taylor swift podcast (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know i just wanted to let her know i let our our followers know if we have any at this point that she released you know, maybe they're concerned about my well-being. I was very distraught. And it's completely 100% dependent on the availability of Taylor Swift concerts or a movie about the concert. Yeah, so that's what they're doing, a movie about the concert. I'm so, so, so excited. If people don't know, you, you need to dress up. You need to have friendship bracelets. If I get there and I'm the only person dressed up, that's one thing. But if I'm the only person with friendship bracelets... I'm going to feel like a big fat loser, so I would just like people to know, that please participate. Taylor Swift said to participate. If you're a Taylor Swift fan and you don't listen to her, shame on you. So is it like a collection of the best moments from the entire tour, or is this one I think I think that it's supposed to be, I'm pretty sure it was all recorded in LA. Oh, okay. And it's like the entire show. Which was like the last stop on her US tour. The leg, yeah. Dates, her US right? leg, yeah. So... That's what I'm pretty sure it's the L.A. Well, you know what? Me, you, and Eric are going to find out. Yep. I'm so excited. Well, you were gone at your mom's printing out the script. I was like, so I didn't know you were a Taylor Swift fan. And he was like, oh, I'm not. I don't know how I got suckered into this. Yeah. he's <laughs> My boyfriend's going with us to the movie. And he agreed to go. And then after, found out that it was two hours and 45 minutes. <laughs> and he was like, how long is it? <laughs> So he said he's going to sell his ticket or he's going to give it to um, Shelby and she's going to have to go with us and be the third. I don't think so. Shelby is not interested in Taylor Swift. She's a loser. So maybe we'll have like an extra seat because like I just don't foresee Eric going. I know Eric's going to go. He's just talking shit. He's (laughs) running his mouth. 
He ain't gonna do anything, but... You should paint, like, a little glittery heart around his eye. Yeah, that would be cute. Yeah. I wanted to get him... I wanted to get him a white shirt and write on it, just write karma, like, because yeah. he's my boyfriend and karma is my boyfriend. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I, that's what I was thinking, but you know. He's definitely gonna be in a pair of shorts and a polo, so... <laughs> yeah, well, I think I'm gonna make him wear that, so... And I might draw a little harder on the side, too, now that you're talking about it. I gotta get I think that would be really cute. Yeah, I'm gonna make an outfit, I think, for myself. I just got my sewing machine working. And the, the, I've already envisioned it in my head. Really? Yeah, I already know what it looks like. I just hope that I can recreate it, because I've never made a piece of clothing before in my life. It should so. be great. Yep. So, anyways, I think that we're gonna just jump into the super terrible episode now. Are Alana Callahan? Yes, Alana Callahan. I'm ready. Let's go. Alana Mae Callahan, born October 23rd, 1996, to the parents Betty Callahan and Paul Callahan Jr. Alana was one of six children. I'm pretty sure she was the fourth born. Mm-hmm. She had two sisters and three brothers. I think that her t- two sisters were older, there was a brother that was older, and then her, and then two younger brothers. Okay, that's a lot of kids. Yeah, there were six. Yeah. So, they had a huge family. And she, she was our age. Yeah, well, at, she's a year a year older than us, 96. We were 97. I mean, close enough. Like, yeah. At the time, she was 14 years old, and she was an eighth grader at Harlem Middle School. She also attended two different Baptist churches in the area. The family had just moved to Harlem around the summer of 2010, Her family was a military family and had lived all over the place before finally settling in Harlem, Georgia. Her parents did this for what they thought was their child's best interest, to give them wide open space to grow and more space to enjoy the outdoors, similar to the lifestyle that they had had before the military, because her father was, I think, in the Navy. So that's why they were living everywhere. Right. They were moving all around. This was when they finally settled, was here in Harlem. So this was a new start for them. And Alana, she was beautiful. I'm going to show you. Do you want to link up a photo? I like to look up photos of people. So we're just pulling up a photo. We'll link some photos for you guys. Okay. She was only 14. She was cute. Yeah, she's very pretty. She had she had dirty blonde hair. I do see that she had different colored hair. Yeah, but that's to a me, little bit more copper. In that yeah, aspect. like an auburn coppery color. But I think it stayed like a lighter color. Yeah. And she had dark brown hair. She was more petite, kind of tall. She was very pretty. And, but, you know, beauty isn't everything. She was so much more than that. Everyone says that she lit up every room that she walked into. And I know that, like, everyone says this, but it really genuinely seemed so yeah. true in this case. Right. She Be- actually was one of those people. Right. Her sister said of her, she was the perfect child and still one of the best people I have ever known. She was said to be the glue that held their family together, and her fi- her smile was infectious, and she was truly a joy to be around, is what everyone she knew I said. I hope people say nice things like that about me after I die, but they're probably not going to. Yeah, they're going to be like, if it's up to you, it's not going to be some nice shit. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just going to be like, yeah. That was my friend. (laughs) She's so cool. (laughs) I'm going to be like, she was nice to me. (laughs) That's what matters. Great, thanks. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'll say that you were truly, you lit up a room. Great. Please lie. Yeah. Yeah. 
I was so outgoing and charismatic, and I lit up every room that I was in. Well, if you think about it, it doesn't really matter how you light up the room. You know, like, a candle lights it up the same way as this light bulb in here. (laughs) You're right. Okay. (laughs) Not long after moving to Harlem, the Callahan family met a neighborhood kid named Lacey Aaron Schmidt. For the sake of this story, I'm going to use the name Aaron because that is what he goes by, and that's what everyone doing interviews, everyone talking to him, everyone talking about him refers to him as, so it's just easier to keep up with. He went by his middle name, probably because he was 14, and his first name was Lacey, so yeah. he probably... At to this avoid t- being bullied for the rest of his existence, he's yeah. like, I'm Aaron. And this was 2010, so he it, they kids weren't nice then. What was his mom doing? So You're sweet. about to find out. Alana and Aaron were said to have dated briefly before they decided they... They were too young to have a boyfriend and girlfriend, and then it was better off for them to just be friends. Oh, they they agreed that? The two 14-year-olds? I think that she said it, and he was just like, okay. She was like, this is what my dad said. Yeah, <laughs> I think that that's probably the case, but that's what people said. After that, they were more like family, honestly. Betty Callahan, Alana, or, yeah, Alana's mother, said that Aaron was considered to be one of her children. She said that Aaron was always at their home, family dinners, and even vacations. She said that she even bought Aaron gifts and things just like it was one of her own kids. Mm-hmm. For Aaron, this had to have been incre- incredible. Aaron didn't come from the best home life. He had a pretty bad upbringing prior to meeting the Callahans. His mother was a drug addict and completely out of the picture. His father was in and out of prison pretty much his whole life for mostly sexually violent crimes. What? He was passed around foster care before he started living with his older sister. And I I didn't find out how old she was, but from what I understand, she was significantly older. Like, he was 14 and... She was probably an adult. Like, a fully functioning adult. Right. Mm -hmm. So, the Callahans had accepted him and truly loved and cared about him. That was until about eight months after they had moved in. The trust, at this point, goes out the window. Betty and Alana's older sister, who was 18 at the time, her name's Amanda, come home early from an appointment and find that Alana had come home from school and was walking around the house with a knife. She said that she thought she heard someone in the house whenever she got home and grabbed a knife before looking around. Which, this is so funny. Because you do that. I do that. <laughs> and I just, like... I don't know. Maybe this is why I was like, okay, I have to do this. Like, this is my girl now. Because, fun fact about me, I walk around my house all the time with a knife. I do not have, like, any peace of mind. I come home, and immediately when you walk in my door, there's, like, a kitchen. And, like, a kitchen. There is a kitchen. So <laughs> You enter through you the kitchen. You enter through the kitchen, and whenever I come in... I just grab a knife and search the whole house. Oh, so last make... time we recorded a podcast, before I was able to leave and go home, at like 11.30 at night, we had to check every bedroom and closet. And there's what, like, there's fucking five bedrooms here? Yeah. yeah. We had to do a complete walkthrough before I was able to leave, just mm-hmm. to make sure it was, like, locked down. Yeah, because it was unlocked when we were record. The door was unlocked when we were recording. And obviously someone snuck in. And right, and we didn't hear them, so I thought, you know, it was rational. Anyways, so she had grabbed a knife before looking around, but whenever she got to the bathroom where she thought she heard a noise, Aaron had jumped out. Like, behind the shower curtain, like, hopped out? No, like, opened the door. Oh. Like, she was walking down the hallway, and she went to open the door, and he popped out, and... 
That's weird. And take note, no one was home at this time. And she just walked in, like, from school. But where was he? He wasn't at school? I guess not. I I think, Mm -hmm. actually, maybe because of his birthday that he was a year ahead of her. Because oh, so maybe he got out. He, maybe he time. got out early because I heard them in the interrogation with him. He said that he was in high school. Oh, he was in ninth grade and she was in eighth grade. Yeah. So maybe he got out of school early it or something like that. After. Or she took the bus, so maybe he just walked home or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Luckily, her mom and sister had come home at this time, and he told them that he was there because they left the door unlocked and he was just trying to scare them. Like, it was just a joke. He was just joking. Sure. Right. They Be- left the door unlocked. Right. And how do you know that? Why are you there? Yeah. Why are you there just checking the front door to right. see if it opens? When nobody's there. Like, you obviously would know nobody's home. Yeah. That's weird. Why do you keep going through? Why do you hide in the bathroom? And he probably heard her. She was probably making noise or, like, saying something like, is anybody here? Right. So, after this, Betty set the boundary that Aaron was not allowed to be there unless Paul herself or Amanda was home because Amanda was 18. Yeah. So she was responsible. Yeah. No, but he wasn't allowed to be there unless an adult was there. Betty, which is Amanda's mom, believes that this made Aaron resent Alana. One week later at 321 PM in the afternoon, obviously PMs in the afternoon, (laughs) Amanda picked Alana up from the bus stop in her dad's truck because it was rainy that day. And I guess they had like a super long driveway. It was like a mile or maybe more. Okay. So they dropped her at the end of the driveway. The bus stop did, and so she, when it was raining, she would go pick them up from the bus stop so that they didn't have to walk in the rain. Right. So it was rainy that day, and she went to go pick them up. After coming home, Alana sat at their family computer and began to upload photos on Facebook. Picture this: it's 2011. <laughs> you come home from school, you log on to your family computer which is like on a table your desktop in the kitchen it's with the big back you've got your sd card for your digital camera that you're taking these photos off of. right and you're uploading them you're dragging and dropping them to like files popped it into the the tower on the computer and you know that she's like going on pick monkey and like or it was picnic and then pick monkey whatever and editing them and stuff like that yeah so She's having a great time, right? right. This is a great She's been day. thinking about this shit all day. Right. Prime time in her life. And honestly, <laughs> I love that for her. Yeah. Like, I really, I truly miss do. the day. You remember when we used to, like, format MySpace pages? You were always the best at that. Oh, You're yeah. Like, Here's when I, log in. I was, like, <laughs> so good at it. I... I don't know. I, I just learned how to... You learned how to code? Really? <laughs> yeah, I learned how to code in, like, fifth grade. She'd be doing everybody's page. I'd be like, hitting up Caitlin. I'm like, this is the inspiration. Like, this yeah. is what I wanted to look And like. then I'd be adding stickers and a song and... Not, oh, yeah, the whole thing. The whole thing. And I'd customize the color. Oh, man, I was so... <laughs> I was awesome. So, I was uploading these photos, right? And her Amanda asked her if she wants to come with her to the bus stop to pick up their younger brother... Chase. He was young at the time. I believe he was like seven or so. So Amanda asked Alana if she wanted to go to the bus stop to, to pick, pick up, up the youngest. The youngest brother. Okay. Am- Amanda said she went to pick up Chase around 348 and that Alana told her she didn't want to go. Okay. Which she was just driving to the end of the road. Yeah. Like whatever. Right. She was probably like, do you want to go? And she's like, no, I'm just going to finish uploading these pictures. And then she was like, okay, cool. I'll be right back. So not a long time, right? No. That was at 3.48. She'd only been home from school, like, 20 minutes. Right? 
348. Amanda said that it took her around 10 minutes to go get him and come back. I assume that she probably had to wait there a few minutes for him to yeah, for get the there. Bus to show up. Right. So, whenever she gets home, she discovers that Aaron's shoes were beside the front door with, along with Alana's boots that she had worn. That was because they made them take their shoes off of the front door when they entered the house, the parents. So, it was a strict rule in their house. So, with his shoes being outside the front door, we can assume that he's been there the whole time. Because if she was at the end of the driveway, she would have noticed him showing up while she was at the bus stop. Right? Well, you're about to see. Okay. So, she she sees his shoes and Alana's boots, and she finds a disaster inside of the house. She said that the computer desk was pushed up against the wall, the chair was slung back, and the back sliding glass door in their house was opened, and it looked like what she called red Kool-Aid was everywhere. She said it was everywhere, and she said she was, she said when she initially saw it, she was, she was pissed. Yeah. She said the house was clean, she had just cleaned it, and she came home oh and she God. was pissed. She said that she saw their shoes, she called out for Alana and Aaron, and when she didn't hear them, she slammed the back door and locked it. Thinking they were outside. Thinking they were outside, just fucking off. Yeah. And she said right after that, Aaron came running through the front door, claiming that someone had took Alana. Oh. Yeah. Right. Right. And he just conveniently runs through the front door. Someone took her. Yeah. He said someone took her. Definitely did. Obviously. Yeah. In this very rural... Okay, so, how do you say that word? I said rule... I can't say it, so don't ask I, me. I feel like I rural? can't... I thought it was rural. Rural? But Eric was like, you're saying rule. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm saying... Now I'm fine. I think you don't pronounce the second R as much as the first. Rural. Rural? I can't say it. And then I was like, what is that? Rural? How does he say it? I don't fucking know. It's a very <laughs> hard word. I'm very... Sh- I'm struggling very hard rural? with it. Let's see how... Let's, let's see how... Country. We're getting back to how to say rural. Because rural. I, I asked him if that's it's how you say it. And I was like, is that how you say rural. it? And he, no, I don't know. Rural. Rural. No way it's rural. <laughs> no, not ru. Rural. 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 Okay, this is taking too much time. The word has no meaning at this point. <laughs> I don't know what it is. They live out in the boonies. Yeah, they live... At this time, he came back, and he was claiming that someone took Alana. Right after she slammed the back door, he ran in through the front door and was like, someone took Alana. But not his ass. They left him there. Yeah, they didn't take him. Claiming that he saw someone running through the woods, and then so he started to run after them. He then runs into the back of the yard where Amanda meets him after driving back. He had gotten there a little sooner than she did because he ran out of the front door Right after saying that, and so she ran out behind him. Okay. Her and Chase, which is their younger brother, got in the car. She backed the truck up and then went, so he was a little ahead, but not, like, crazy but ahead. But he's on foot, and they're driving right. after him. And they're only going, like, to the backyard. Yeah. So, the way their house is set up, there's their fence line is just all woods, and I guess, like, a creek area, and their backyards, there's a lot of woods, too. Mm-hmm. So, they're, like, in their... I think they have, like, their houses right here, and they just go... It's like a... They're in, like, a clearing in the middle of the woods. Pretty much. Okay. So, she's following back there. At this point, he claimed he found Alana when she gets up next to him because he had stopped. Mm Mm-hmm. Which, he didn't run very fucking far. And they didn't take her very far. No. He pointed to the wooded area and 
they ran over to the area to check on her. Amanda and Chase did. Which he is, just immediately went there. Right. Yeah. Great. Okay. He he just had an inkling. Yeah. Just just happened to run to the exact spot where Alana was. Right. He saw her in the woods and mm-hmm. could just tell it was where just, she was going to be. Darted right over there. Yeah. yeah. So. Alana was lying on the ground. Amanda reacts quickly. She calls 911 because, you know, this is the day and age we have cell phones, 2011. She calls 911 and starts to do CPR on her. So, she's... You can listen to the 911 call and she is distraught. She is like, my sister, my sister, there's blood. I don't know. I've tried to do CPR. And they're, like, talking to her. And she's like, there's blood coming out of her mouth. And they're like, is she breathing? She's like, I don't... I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, you can tell. She's genuinely, like freaking out she's panicking yeah she mentions on the 911 call that she was trying to get blood out of her mouth and that she she doesn't think that she's breathing Aaron, at this point amanda says moves sticks around like alana's face and hair like she's doing cpr on the phone and he's just rearranging sticks yeah like i guess there was sticks like on her face and he was like pulling them away from her face right what right so he says that he's doing that and he's saying to her this is all my fault and then he says oh my god my dna is gonna be all over her because i just touched these sticks that are in her hair or because you killed her right and he was freaking out and this is so like crazy to me because it just seems like that's what a like a psychopath would do like just touch the person and be like oh my god this is all my fault like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, like looking... why is he not just as distraught as the sister if this is one of his best friends? Right. He's, like, when he's describing to police, he's saying that to him, that's, like, his sister. Right. Like, like, the closest person to him. Right. But he's worried about his DNA being on her. Right. He later says that he was saying that this was all his fault because typically he comes home over in the afternoon to hang out, but he didn't that day because he got grounded. But he was there. Right. You're going to find out why he was there, but his story that he says. The police quickly arrive, like, ten, like, maybe not even ten minutes. They tell Amanda at this time that she has to quit doing CPR after they notice drag marks coming from the home. They kept there in ten minutes. Could never be JSO. Yeah, they were there quickly. They confirmed Alana could not be resuscitated. Oh my God. And they told Amanda that she had to stop doing CPR and she had to move away because it was an active crime scene. Wow. Meanwhile, she's distraught. They're taking her, trying to console her and her younger brother. They called their mom, obviously. They said that their mom got there in, like, a few minutes. Like, I guess she didn't work very... Or she wasn't very far from where they yeah. were. They said, like, 15 minutes it took her to get there. So, she says when she pulls up, she sees Amanda and the younger brother, like distraught together and then sees Aaron just leaning against a cop car like dry heaving I guess acting like he's throwing up really yeah not with them though they were separated and I'm not I'm unsure if the police did that so that they couldn't like I think it's his guilt probably probably but I do know that like with an active crime scene sometimes they'll keep people away so that they don't like get their story straight yeah yeah so they wanted to hear both sides of their stories yeah so, I don't know about that part, but... It was enough for her mom to take note of it. When yeah, she her arrived. mom mentioned it. Yeah. They tell her she can't go over to the scene. And 
she said that they wouldn't let her near her daughter. It was an active crime scene, and she said that all she wanted to do was, like, go over there and hold her. Yeah. See her for a minute. Which is so sad. It's so sad. They, at this point, they call the lead investigator, and they say that he shows up on the scene in 10 minutes at this point. His name is Brian Jones. He immediately starts to ask questions. Amanda and Aaron are both taken to the police station and questions for four hours. Wow. Both of them. Amanda, too. Could you imagine losing your baby sister and then being questioned for four hours? Could you imagine coming home to that and, like, literally being on top of her, giving her CPR, and then being questioned like you're a suspect suspect. in the crime? Yeah. I bet this was a big deal if they lived in, like, a small country. It was. There was a nation, like, I wouldn't say nationwide, but there was a manhunt, like, because they thought someone had come into the house. Yeah. So people were just out searching. Yeah, people were just out searching. They questioned them for four hours. Amanda's story did not change the entire time. Because she's telling the truth. Right. Everything she said added up. There was no room, like, really for her to have any, like, anything to do because she did pick up her younger brother. He's a little kid. You know what I mean? Like. So I didn't know a whole lot about true crime. I think we said that on the first podcast. But watching the Chris Watts interrogation made me realize that they literally just make you repeat yourself over Over and and over over for hours and they wait for you to deviate from the original story like over and over and over again and as soon as you mess up they'll be like wait well well and they're listening so hard yeah they're like pulling out their notes they're like this is what you just said you know what i mean they're like was it different now are you changing your story what happened Mm -hmm. like it's so crazy i could not imagine doing that after i just did cpr on my sister trying to revive her for hours yeah crazy and i know that her emotions were everywhere because she said she was so upset after she found her because her first reaction when she saw it was she was mad like when she came home and saw the mess yeah she she was was mad she didn't know yeah yeah. right but she like i can't so you know what i mean the whole situation i can't imagine or like and she's probably thinking like if she had just went with me to go pick if up If I would have made her go like yeah, this wouldn't have happened. And she's only 18. Yeah. And she's left responsible for these children. Could you imagine like That's a lot. It's a lot of responsibility. I can't imagine. <laughs> Poor girl. So Aaron's story changed a few times. Initially he claimed that there was a man in the woods. He gave very general statements about the intruder claiming that he was a white man in all black and had gray like cargo pants he said he had a black hoodie and a black beanie he claimed to see him running out of the house and a man this is the manhunt i was talking about this is where it became in the area they were searching everywhere for just this man this white man in all black that's the only description he gave yep that's the only description he gave As I mentioned, Amanda was hysterical. Aaron had to force all of his reactions. He would say something, and then it would pause, and then he would start crying. It was like... He'd be like, oh, I should cry now. Right. It was like, he was like, oh, fuck, I should be crying. This is really sad. (laughs) He told investigators that he chased a man through the woods for hours before before they finally put a hole in his story. Uh, For hours? No. Like, that's what he kept saying. Oh, Okay. And then they finally put a hole in his story, like, he messed up what he said. Mm-hmm. Because they kept making him repeat, like, the path that he was taking. And then finally they took out a whiteboard and made him draw the path. And they were like, this doesn't make sense. There's no way that this could have happened. So his story was, he was walking down where Amanda was, right? Okay. At the bus stop, at the end of the road. 
that road, from what I understand, is called... God, what was the road called? <laughs> Main road. I want to say it was, like, Mile Road or something like mm-hmm. that. It was something, like, very generic. So, the main road, the yeah. hard road. He said he came to tell Amanda that he was on restriction for two weeks and that he wouldn't be able to come over for two weeks. And he wanted them to know. Yeah. And that he didn't just stop showing up because he came over every day and hung out with Alana after school. Right. So, he knew their schedule. And he said he told Amanda this while she was waiting for Alana at the bus stop. Mm. So, then... She took Alana home. He was walking home. He said he was walking down the main road. And he, I guess he said he walked a little bit. And then he said that he saw a man in the woods because there's, like, a trail. Like, so the wooded area, you could kind of, there's a trail so you could kind of see. And he said that was his uncle's property. And they had put up, um, like, I guess, like, wiring, like, barbed wire, I guess, or whatever. Okay. So that you couldn't get onto the, like, a like so you couldn't get onto the trail to keep people out. Mm-hmm. Like, no trespassing. They put up, like, a gate of fence. Yeah. So, he said he saw someone in there, and he knew they weren't supposed to be in there because he said people would sneak in there and ride their four-wheelers and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, he ran after them, right? Ran into the woods after them. He couldn't find them. He was looking all over in the woods, said he went down a few different paths, and then... He finally came back to the house, back where they were, to see if Amanda had saw them. At this point, he said he saw Amanda driving back to pick up Chase. He tried to flag her down, but she didn't see him. So he turned, looked, and saw a man on the back porch. So she's driving down the driveway, and he turned and saw a man on the back porch and also tried to flag down Amanda, who's on the driveway in front of the house. Okay. That's what he said, yeah. Great. Right. So he said he got in there. Let me see if I have it written down. Which makes perfect sense, right? Like, what the fuck are we talking about right now? You you can see the back porch and her driving down the driveway at the same time. So he's just, like, frantically running through their front yard at this point, right? If we're following his right. story. Okay. He's just running. Amanda didn't see him. She just goes to pick up Chase. At this point, he goes in, and they already took Amanda, or already took Alana, then Amanda comes back after he figures out Alana's missing. He tells her, and they start searching, and they find her, right? Then mm-hmm. their stories coincide after that, right? Yeah. So they start pointing out holes in the story, right? They're like, okay, this this path doesn't make sense. It doesn't. They're like, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up. If the If this is what you're saying is true, pretty much this dude came into the house when Amanda was in there. And shot Alana, and then Amanda laughed. Yeah. Is it, because how is she dead, and the intruder's on the back porch leaving when Amanda's leaving the driveway? That doesn't make sense. Right. And she was also found in the woods. Right. So he would have had to put her in the woods and then been on the back porch, and then he's ready to leave? Like, I don't know. I don't get it. So then, they're telling him that, right? And he's starting to get upset, and at this point, the, the dude that like, swabs your hands for a gun's shot residue, mm-hmm. he comes in. And he's like, hey, you guys ordered a GSR, which is a gunshot residue? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And he's like, all right, I'm doing it right now. You, y'all gotta leave. They're like... And I think this is kind of, like, a tactic that, that they use. Yeah. Like, to abruptly make him stopping see- the interview. Right. And to also... They abruptly stopped 
stopped the interview right when they tell him that they're not believing his story. It's not adding up. Yeah. And... We're gonna dust you for gunshot residue. Yeah. And then, while they're in there, the way that the gunshot residue guy talks to the detectives is kind of like, he doesn't really fuck with them. Yeah. He's talking to them like... Good cop, bad cop. Yeah. He's like, we're not friends. Yeah. Right. So, they leave. And he's talking to the kid... And he's like, what do you... Well, they don't say gunshot residue. They say GSR. So okay. I guess he doesn't know what that is. Yeah. And so when he comes in, he tells them, him, yeah, I'm, sw- I'm swabbing your hands for gunshot residue. And he goes, well, there's going to be gunshot residue on my hands. He's like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, I shot a gun. I was at the shooting range with my, my cousin yesterday shooting guns. So oh. there's going to be gunshot residue on my hands. And he goes, oh, Okay, what kind of gun was it? He tells him it's like a 12-gauge or some type of rifle, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, okay. I'm just swabbing your hands to match the gunshot residue that's on that girl's face in there. He says it just like that. So, like, nonchalant. He's like, oh, just, just check and see if it matches. Yeah. And the kid's quiet. He goes, so every gun has a different type of residue. Just because you shot a gun yesterday doesn't mean you're going to pop up on this. I'm just trying to see if you match that gunshot residue. So, as long as you don't, it doesn't matter that you shot a gun yesterday. It's no big deal. Yeah. Right? So, then the kid's like, okay. There might be another gun on my hand, too, not just that one. Oh. Because our friend showed up and I shot his gun, too. Well, like we said, as long as it doesn't match the gunshot residue on the girl's face... We're good. Right. So, I think he was like, okay, well, this friend, if we need to find out if the gunshot residue matches him, we could just find him, right? You have his information? He's like, yeah. He goes, okay, no big deal. He's like, just like, yeah. All right. Yeah. It's not cool. Like, he's making it seem like nonchalant. I don't really give a shit. I'm just trying to do this. Yeah. He's like, can I swab your hand, please? Yeah. So, then, right after he says this... The detectives walk back in. They're like, yeah, so we need you to do another GSR. Another one of these for this one. Like, kind of making it seem like they're doing Amanda, too. So that they're planting a little seed in his head. Like, we don't just think it's you. Yeah. Like, we're testing everybody. Right. So then he goes, I guess I'm never going to go home tonight, I guess. Or something like that. He, like, mumbles under his breath. So he's, like, really planting the seed that he doesn't fuck with these guys. Yeah. Like, they're not his friends. Right. He's a scientist. They're stupid fucking cops, right? So then he leaves. And he tells the kid before he leaves, he's like, hey, I like I told you, I'm not a cop. Like, I don't care what's going on. But if this is going to match, it's going to match. It's science. It doesn't lie. Yeah. So... Pretty much do what you want with that information, is what he said. They start to sink on him, sink in on, on him after this. He steps out of the room. The detectives start talking to him again. As they're talking to him, they just look at him and they say, Aaron, could you just take your shoes off for me for a minute? Your shoes? Yeah, he just asked, they just ask him, can you take your shoes off for me for a minute? Mm-hmm. They've already been questioning Amanda this whole time, too. Yeah. They know there's a strict rule in their house. To take your shoes off when you walk in the front door. And they know when Amanda walked in the front door, she saw his shoes. Mm-hmm. That means he didn't have his shoes on. When he did it. When he did it. Yeah. If he did it, right? Right. So he takes them off. He says there's blood on his shoes. Or blood on his socks. 
right, blood on his socks because he walked in the blood. Right. Which would make sense. It was everywhere. Right. But it was on the top of his socks. Mm. So the cops point out to him that it would only be on top of his socks if he was standing there whenever she was shot. At this point, he starts crying. He starts claiming... Oh, no. Yeah, he starts claiming that he came over, took his shoes off, and then there was another person in the house. And this other person shot Alana and then was going to shoot him, but decided not to and ditched the gun with him and told him to hide it and that if he didn't hide it, he was going to come back and kill him. Wow, this is a whole new story. Right. He just whipped that shit out so quick. Right. Interesting. Yeah. So that was his new story. So then they're talking to him and they're like, okay, so this man... And he starts describing the man, and he says, yeah, he was a light brown man. And the cop goes, wait, I thought you said it was a white man. A white man in a black hoodie. Right, right? that's what he said. Now it's a light brown man. Yeah. And he says that he said that because he was trying to throw the cops off. Because this man threatened him, and he doesn't want them to know there's another dude. So that's why he lied this whole time. And he wanted, didn't want them to know, because he actually knows this guy. Oh. Yeah. Really? The guy that did it, he knows him. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. He, um, he doesn't know his name, but he knows, like, where he lives. He lives, like, at the end of their road, and he always is shooting his weapons. Oh, okay. Yeah, he definitely did it. He was there. Yeah. I mean, Aaron witnessed the whole thing. He saw it. And yeah. th- he didn't kill Aaron because he needed somebody to ditch the weapon, and he just knew Aaron would do it because he's a pussy. Right. Makes perfect sense. He said, I know this pussy will do it. Aaron's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's a dumbass. So, he's crying still, <laughs> right? The police, they're like, you know, it's okay. But, you know, Aaron, remember that we said there's no possible way there was another person there? We know that. And he's like, no, there was, I'm telling you. And they're like, no, Aaron, I'm telling you. Those canine dogs, if there was a scent of somebody that ran out of the woods... They would have picked it up. All the scents kept coming back to the house mm-hmm. where you were. Yep. Where he spent a lot of time. Right. The scent was there regardless. Right. They were like, those dogs. And they're like, he's like, I don't know why the dogs didn't pick them up. They're like, we know why. Because there was no one else there. Because <laughs> it was just you, buddy. Right. And the blood on top of your socks. Right. And so he claims that he, the, the dude down the street with the weapons... He made him watch him shoot Alana, and then he had to ditch the gun, obviously. His, his old buddy. His neighbor. Right. He's crying. The cane, he does, He's, like, still saying that they're wrong. He says he would never hurt her. That's always their thing. I would never hurt her. Oh, yeah. I would never hurt my wife. I would never hurt this girl I considered my sister. Yeah. I love her. I would never do that. He said he would also never hold a firearm without an adult. Okay. He made sure to mention that. Without an adult. Right. Okay. Okay. So, he's like, I would never hurt her. She was like a sister to me. And I would never hold a firearm without an adult. (laughs) He says it just like that. Like, all in the same sentence. You sounded so guilty, Aaron. (laughs) Right. Like, okay. So, then he's like, okay, I lied before. I gotta tell you what happened. Oh, shit. And they're like, okay. <laughs> they think, like, he's they're really like, gonna... They're like, finally, Okay, thank yeah. You. He claims Alana was bullying this kid at school. 
oh shit, this is what, third, third version of the story? Okay, let's go. And when he was walking back, he started walking back not because he saw an intruder in the woods. He remembered once he got home that sometimes Amanda forgets stuff. And he didn't want them to think he just stopped coming over. So, obviously, he had to walk back and tell Alana in case Amanda forgot. Oh, my God. Because he didn't want Miss Betty to think that he didn't want to come over anymore. But he just disappeared. Yeah. Right. And he was on restriction, so he couldn't come. Which, that's the confusing part. If you're... Confusing the confusing part. part. <laughs> <laughs> the compu- confusing part. With a P. <laughs> is, if you're on restriction... How do you keep walking back? Yeah, <laughs> you're restricted to the home. <laughs> right. And also, does he not have a house phone at this point in time? Like, couldn't they call his I'm house sure phone? if he's on restriction, he can't. He doesn't have phone privileges. But they can talk to his mom and be like, hey, where's he at? He ain't been here in a couple of days. Oh, he's on restriction. Okay, bye. Right. Why the fuck are you walking around in the woods, dude? Right. Exactly. But so he walked back to tell Alana, and he thought this kid was just coming up to scare her. And he didn't know he was going to kill her. This kid that she doesn't like, that she bullies at school, who's at her home. He Well, he the kid at school, he had already heard this kid was going to mess with her, I guess, or that he was bullying her or something. Oh, uh, premeditated? I don't fucking know. He said sure. that kid pretty much came up and was messing with Alana to get back at her for him, for her bullying him. So that's why he shot her. So then the police are like, yeah, dude. Remember when we said there was no other scent there? <laughs> We're going to circle back to that again. You, how did he leave? And then the 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 detective is like, the only person I've seen that can just disappear is that Chris Angel dude. <laughs> and I think that that's just like mirrors and angles. I'm right. not sure that he really disappears. And I don't think he did this. And then Aaron is like, I don't know who that is. He goes, well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> People can't just disappear. Right. Like... The dogs will find them. Right. So, they're like, yeah. If it's just an accident, just tell us. Like... Yeah. Maybe it was an accident who the killed her. Off. Yeah. Oops. So then, this is when he said he didn't know that the gun was loaded, and Alana and him were playing with the gun, and it went off. But he would never hold a gun without, without an, an adult. adult. Mm-mm. Okay. He said that they were sitting near the computer desk, and it just went off and shot her. He claimed he was right in front of her, and that she was shot in the neck and fell out of the chair. Which, this story does get a little, like, confusing, because he never comes out and says, like, what happened for real. Because, I like, from the initial description of the scene, the blood was on the back porch. Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit more, but he never comes out and says why. Hmm. Nothing. Because he's a psychopath. And so you don't know. She does have a wound right here. Like, on her, I guess, under under her neck. Really? Because her sister mentioned it. I heard her sister mention it in the interview as well. Her oh, sister, she had blood in her mouth. That makes sense that she, she said, got shot in the neck. She said that she had blood in her mouth. And she's, they said, well, do you think that she was shot in the neck? And she said, I don't think that she was shot. Mm. And they were like, what do you mean? And that's how they knew kind of the sister didn't have no know idea what because happened. she said well her neck was bleeding i i think someone stabbed her in the neck it wasn't that big of a yeah. hole so i wonder if he mentioned i would never hold a firearm before they had even addressed the fact that she had been shot in the neck they did 
He did. Yeah. They they didn't even tell him that. What happened? He mentioned that. Yeah. So then he said she was shot in the neck and fell out of the chair. They tell him it looks like she was shot in the back of the head, and he says he doesn't, he doesn't know why. They then leave the room as he's just sobbing. They're like, all right, well, we're going to come back. Like, we're going to give you a minute. And they're like... And get the fifth version of this story. Yeah, they're like, you need anything? Water? And he goes, I need to use the bathroom. They're like, all right, you can use the bathroom. He doesn't even have his shoes on. They take him to go to the bathroom, and he comes back. He sits down. They come back, and they read him his rights. So, they completely break down his rights because he's underage. They right. have to, like, read him a couple of times, a couple of different so ways. is his mom there, or she's His sister. I told you. His sister oh, is his guardian. Custody. That's right. Yeah. She's there. Okay. She knows that he's there. So, they continue to talk to him and tell him, like, they need the truth. They're like, moving forward, we need what really happened. We need you to tell us the truth of what happened, not this stuff before. We need... This is a new start. Tell us the truth. Yeah. And this is his story, his final story. Okay. He sticks with the, I went back to tell Alana after he told Amanda, because sometimes she forgets story, that he was on restriction. Mm-hmm. I wasn't supposed to be there, but me and Alana were messing around with the gun because Alana wanted to know how to use it. She wanted to know how to use it for protection. Sure. Like, right. Okay. It was laying under the hats inside. We know this is a lie because it was stolen. The gun was stolen from their home. They later find, when they get a search warrant, they later find in his possession the, the case, the gun case. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Also, Amanda t- says that their dad was strict about guns. They were always yeah. locked up. I and mean, he had six children. Right. So he didn't leave them laying around. And she said, right. They were not left laying around. Yeah. They knew not to touch them. Alana knew not to touch them. Like, and if she wanted to learn how to use a gun, she would ask her dad. Right. Not this other random fucking kid. Right. Just and she wouldn't randomly ask him when he comes over one day because it was laying on well, the counter. Well, nobody is there. They're right. alone. Yeah. Okay. Come on, dude. Let's go, Aaron. So, they find that the gun was stolen from the home. They because they find the case or the security box or whatever it was in. And they find several MP3 players and other items like that that the Callahans had thought just what, went missing. He's like they been stealing from they them. Had been, he had been stealing from them. He said he was trying to get the hammer back on the gun. And she was sitting back at the Facebook computer after he told her they didn't need to play with the gun. But she had, like, I guess cocked it. And he was trying to get the hammer back so that it didn't, like, go off because he didn't know how to put the safety on is what he said. And he said that there was a table behind where the computer chair was i guess probably like a skinny end table or something and this would make sense why it was moved he said he but it doesn't make sense the story doesn't make sense he said after this she's sitting at the table she just got back on facebook and was like yeah you figure that out yeah i'm gonna just upload my pics right whatever lol and he's like if you're fumbling around with a i'm assuming it's a revolver it's a nine millimeter. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So if you're fumbling around with it, why are you pointing it at her head? You well, he said he put to... it right. And he said he put it on the table, I guess, to stabilize it and tried to pull it back. And when he did, it went off. Right. But I don't know if you guys know this about a gun. Your finger literally has to be on the trigger for it to go off. Yeah. It doesn't just go off. No. So that's what he said happened. He said it went off. 
he got scared because it hit her in the back of the head and she fell out of the chair or whatever. And he said all he could think was, I'm going to be in deep, deep, deep trouble. He said he was trying to be nice, but the gun just popped on her, which doesn't make sense as to the rest of the story, but I wanted to include that he said that. He was like, I was trying to be nice to her, but the gun just popped, which that was, was something he said. trying to be nice to her. Yeah. So he freaked out. Just, op- I guess he meant he was trying to be nice and to teach her about the gun. Yeah. Like trying to be friendly. And it popped. So he freaked out and he said he just opened the back door and tried to drag her outside and then mentioned she was kind of heavy, you know? So I just quit and left her in the woods and you went in- and went to try and hide the gun. Then I went back inside to get my shoes, but Amanda was inside. So I had to make something up quick because Amanda would be all over me like white on rice. Oh, my God. Is what he said. His direct quote. The police don't believe the story, obviously. They believe that he walked in the room, shot her in the back of the head execution style, and then he tried to drag her, like he said, and the rest of the story is true, but they believe he just walked in. And just shot and just her. shot her. Blank. It was premeditated. Wow. Because he stole the gun. Yeah. It was definitely a plot. He was planning. What I think is that he, he, he knew their routine. Yeah. I think he told Amanda about the restriction thing because she said he did. Mm -hmm. She said that part is true. He did come and tell her, I'm on restriction. I'm going to go home now. Kind of said his story. And I think that after that, he went and kind of hid in the woods, waited for Amanda to leave, saw Alana didn't go, and then went inside. So maybe he was going to kill more of them had it not, like, played out the way it did. I think he knew it was going to play out like that because, like I said, remember, he came over every day after school. He knew their routine. But maybe he intended for everyone to go to the bus stop and then him hide in the bathroom and pop out and do something even more crazy. Or maybe he thought he was going to hide in the bathroom and steal something else, but then Alana was there and he knew... Oh, got to shoot her in the back of the head. Yeah, and he knew she she was going to tell on him like she did before because he knew he wasn't supposed to be there without the adults there. Right. And he just shot her. Because so there is crazy. two gunshots, like a one right here in the in the throat, and one there is two. Oh, really? Because they said it, that she was shot in the back of the head. Maybe or did it go through the back of her head and out through her throat? Maybe. And there maybe two holes. You know what I mean? Maybe. maybe that's what it was. Maybe something like that. So they think that he just shot her in the back of the head as she was looking at Facebook, like uploading her pictures. He never told us anything about really why he did it, anything like that. The trial for Aaron Schmidt was held February 6, 2012. This happened January of 2011. So it took a year for Over them. Over a year. Yeah. Wow. He pled not guilty and was silent. Amanda said it was hell, and her other sister said that she tried really hard to make everything be meaningful and not hateful. Mm-hmm. But it was really hard for her. And said that it was heartbreaking. I mean, it's such a violent crime. Yeah, Amanda said that that was the first time they had seen him since the day that it happened, too. Oh, really? Aaron was charged with malice murder, felony murder while in the commission of aggravated assault, possession of a firearm during the commission of a crime, and the theft of a handgun. Damn, they threw the book at him. Malice murder, for anyone that doesn't know, is a criminal offense in Georgia committed when a homicide is done with the express or implied malice, which I didn't know what that 
So that's something local to Georgia, because I feel like I haven't heard yeah, that before. Yeah, it is like a Georgia Like law. an add-on charge to murder in the first degree or whatever. Well, I guess it's like the equivalent, like, of first degree murder, yeah. Yeah. So he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. This is a big deal because he was the youngest person to receive this charge at the time. How old was he at 14. the time? He was 14 Well, he, I think he, he was probably. 14 when he did it, 15 when he committed the crime. So or life, 14 when he committed the crime, 15 when he went to trial. A life sentence at 15. In 2015, he tried to appeal his conviction, claiming that the evident, evidence they had was insufficient and that the judge ignored the lesser charge he should have gotten, which was involuntary manslaughter because the gun accidentally went off. Right. The appeal was upheld in his original conviction stance. Alana's funeral was February 5th, 2011, and she was buried at Belief Memorial Gardens in Gravetown, Georgia. Her mother says that Aaron has never given a reason to them as to why he did what he did and that she would one day like to ask him, but outside of that, she does not care about anything that he has to say. Right. I know that whenever she said if they ever appeal him, like, they do end up letting him have parole, she said that they, she, I, she said, I don't want to direct quote her, but she said something along the lines of, I don't believe that they should be able to do that until they can go dig my daughter out of the ground and say, okay, never mind. You can come out now. Like, mm-hmm. this is okay. Yeah. So. But and, to commit such a violent crime at such a young age does not speak to your character going forward. And no. he's going to be so institutionalized if he went in at 15 and say, like, he got out on parole 25 years later. You know what I mean? He's not a person. He mm-hmm. didn't. He never learned how to be a person. He doesn't know how to function in society. And he definitely doesn't know how to function with women, which is what he has a problem so with, leave obviously. leave that motherfucker in there. Yeah. And you know, I wonder if the whole story about her picking on a kid at school is what was happening to him, and that's why he did it. Because why else would you bring something like that up? I think he was just grasping for straws, or maybe it was. Or maybe, like, him and Alana, like, were having a falling out, and nobody really knew what was happening. Well, this was... this happened a week after he was caught breaking into the house, and Alana caught him. So right. the mom thinks that's why, because... Some shit happened. Like, either she embarrassed him at school, or she did something. Like, she brought it up. Like, they had a conversation, a fight about it, I'm sure, and that's what kind of spurred it. I mean, that's my theory. I, I don't know. I I think he was just pissed that he got in trouble. Well, I mean, he's also fucking crazy because who gets in a fight with their friend and then shoots them in the back of the head? Yeah. And not to mention just to lie to those extents. He came out with so many different stories. Could you imagine being the Oh, sister? and I forgot to... Yeah, the sister. Oh, my God. I can't. So, he did... He, too, to mention, like, to speak on his character, he said that during... The interview, I heard him say something like, oh, when I found her, I thought that she had been raped. Why would you say oh, that? Oh, no. Yeah, he, like, threw something like that in there. Obviously, there was nothing like that, but... It was his intent. I don't know if it was his intent or if Why he was just trying to throw it that? out there because he grew up, like, his dad did shit like that, so he just was like, yeah, they'll look oh for somebody God. like that. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. He Like, to be 14 and to already be thinking like that... He had too much exposure at too young of an age. Yeah. He didn't know what to do. He needed some fucking therapy. And unfortunately, the system cannot give that to him. They're just like, I don't know, figure it out, go to school. 
That's so sad. So sad. And it's so sad for their family. I mean, I hate to have sympathy for someone who would do something so violent, but I feel like his life set him up to be this person, unfortunately, and he just wasn't able to overcome it. Yeah. And I think, like you said, he did need therapy. And in your inter- in in the interview and things with him, you can tell he's kind of, like, immature, too. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, they're kids. They're 14. Yeah. Exactly. It's he needed. Crazy. He probably wasn't getting the proper attention at home, too. It's all sad, but it's mostly sad for Alana because and she her lost family. her life. And her family, it's so sad because they thought this kid, they did everything for him. That was like their stray. You know, they just took him in. They were like, it's fine. You can just come hang out with us. There's so many kids. What's one more? You yeah. Know? And then he did that. It's crazy. Right. So, so sad. And I know, like they said, that um, when she was giving him CPR, the younger brother, Chase, was standing, like, near her feet, and he was just like, Alana, wake up. Come on, just get up. And, he, like I said, he was a child. Like, could you imagine? He was a baby. He was just a baby. Yeah. I could not. And seeing your sister like that after such a violent... And, you know, like, she probably looked so disheveled from being drugged across their yard the way that she was. Like, oh, I couldn't... I can't... And blood. Amanda said, too, that he oh during his little when he ran over there and just knew where she was he saw her he claimed i saw her body and then i just threw up and then amanda showed up i forgot to mention that he said he threw Hmm. up because he saw her body or maybe he threw up because the adrenaline oh he was fucking stressed Yeah. yeah well like like he said he was just gonna leave but his shoes were inside that's why he went back inside because when he, he was talking to the police, he was like, well, I had to go back inside and get my shoes, but Amanda came. Like, he yeah. didn't ta- think it was going to take that long to move her body. Right. That's crazy. I feel like it was definitely premeditated and that Absolutely. they should leave his ass locked up no, for a very long fucking time. No, if you're 14 years old and you plan to murder your friend, stay in jail. Right. You, we don't need you out here. Right. We need you to please stay there. The vibes are off. You need to go be with your people. Yeah. Probably in solitary confinement. You need some grippy socks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, how did he not think to just plead out for, like, insanity? But, I mean, I guess he just couldn't. He just wasn't that crazy. He was just And it was premeditated. Yeah. And he's... Yeah, he... mm, But that is a terrible case of... Yeah. Alana Callahan. All right, no more kids dying for a while, okay? Like, we're going to stick with adults. Yeah, no more kids for a while. These cases are, like, hard, though, because they're, they're like, teenagers. Yeah. And these teenage cases are so crazy. And I honestly was thinking about the girl not too long ago who gave birth to the baby and then left him in the bathroom trash can. Oh, my gosh. I was like, that would be a good one, but I just can't stomach it right now. I and really I don't can't. even think that it's, like, finished. Not after Bella and Cece Watts. Like, I can't. Yeah. Right. You're talking about Alexa, Alexis Treviso or something like that? I think yeah. that's her name. Her mom kept calling her Lexi. That was crazy. Yeah. That case is insane. If you guys haven't heard about it, go look it up. She is a piece of work, that's for sure. Yeah, I can't wait to see that interrogation. Yeah. If it's even out, I'll have to do some research, but that's going to be a good one for sure. Yeah. But... That was it. This is the end of our episode. This is Last House on the Left. 
Follow us on Instagram, Last House on the Left Pod. And that's, that's the only social we media right we now. have. Yeah, I hated myself in the last few. Oh, I mean, me too. I just when we were playing those test runs and me listening to my voice, I fucking hate. 